And my family built an incredible engine, right? And I wanted to supercharge that thing. And, and so, you know, I was bringing in tools and, and management processes that I had learned along the way and said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to supercharge this. Welcome to the Threefold Real Estate Investing Podcast. This is the podcast where you'll not only learn how you can achieve massive success in multifamily real estate investing, but also how you can simultaneously pursue great relationships with your family and a better walk with God. You can achieve financial freedom through real estate investing without sacrificing the relationships that mean the most to you. Now, here's your host, Lee Yoder. Welcome back, Threefold listeners. I hope you're having a great week as we get back into school here in Ohio. Uh, we've got another great guest for you today. Nate Fisher is joining us from Columbus. I uh, was lucky enough to just go up and have lunch with him uh, last week. So really got to know him there, And uh, but so excited to bring him to you. Uh, he's done a ton of things, really had a lot of success, but uh, really interesting because he's, he's worked with his family. He grew up in multifamily. So um, I'll let him tell you all that. But first, I'm going to um, just read uh, the bio that I have on him um, and I'll bring him in, let you tell, let him tell you more about his uh, background in multifamily and what he's doing today. So he's a highly experienced real estate professional with over 25 years of expertise in multifamily investments. He's the founder of Peak 10 Group. Uh, that's what he's doing today, a commercial real estate investment firm managing 400 market rate investment, um, market rate apartments in Dayton, Ohio, and Protective Thermal Solutions, a pest control company servicing multifamily uh, commercial properties. Nate has invested in over 5,000 units in multiple markets and has a total acquisition value of over 400 million. He's an active member of the Columbus Apartment Association and Greater Dayton Apartment Associations, uh, holding leadership positions, and is a licensed real estate salesperson in Ohio. Nate, that's a lot. Uh, looking forward to getting into all this with you. But first of all, man, thanks so much for joining us today. I appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks a ton for having me, man. Really, uh, really excited to be here and love to share with your listeners. Yeah. Well, Nate, if you don't mind, take us all the way back. Um, I know it's a family business. So tell us a little bit about, you know, initially getting into real estate. Did you just jump into it right out of high school, right out of college? What did that look like for you? Yeah. So, you know, I grew up in a multifamily family. So from a yeah. very, 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 very young age, you know, I've been around this business. My folks, my mom and my dad were doing the, I'll call it the Burr method, doing what a lot of our counterparts are trying to do today. They were doing it in the late sixties, early seventies oh, cool. when I was, when I was a little kid. So, yeah. you know, from a very, very young age, I was running work orders. I mean, some of my earliest memories are falling asleep in the front of the work truck, right? Doing uh, doing service calls with uh, with my dad, and uh, so grew up here in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, was all yeah, was always around the business, and um, and knew that I wanted to to be a part of it. Just didn't really always know where I fit in. Yeah, and Nate, real quick before you go too much, how did your dad get into it? Just real quick, like did he start on the property management maintenance side, and then he started buying his own stuff, or was he doing something completely different and started buying? How did he get into it? Yeah. So not too dissimilar to you, Lee, you know, grew okay. up on a farm, not grew up on a farm, you know, son of a, of a farm, a farm family. Yeah. And, and he was the first one to go to college, got down to uh, Ohio state and decided he wanted to be a math major and figured out, you know what, I'm watching this real estate thing. I can buy a double and I'll live in the trailer park near the fairgrounds at Ohio state and I'll flip this double. So, wow. I mean, that's how he got it. And you know, that double, I drive by it. It's still around, still there. Someone's probably flipped it. 20 times, 30 times. <laughs> yeah. So that's wow. how it all started. Okay. And so he, yeah, he was working his W2 and uh, doing real estate on the side, him and my mom. So 
just slowly build it up. And then eventually, obviously, he went full time into it. Yeah, he really didn't go full time until about 1972. So he okay. he had he had some some properties, but took a W-2 job in in uh, in this crazy place called Michigan. So I was mm-hmm. born in Michigan for those Ohio State people uh, and then moved back to Columbus to go real estate full time yeah. in the early 70s. Yeah, you can't stay in Michigan too long. I mean, you can go there for a little <laughs> bit but you got to get out, get back to Columbus. So that makes sense. Um, okay, cool, Nate. So that, yeah, that just neat backstory there. To, yeah. Just interesting how, um, I mean, real estate's kind of timeless. I mean, it worked back in the seventies. It works today. Um, it, it's different, you know, different interest rates, although they had really high interest rates in the seventies. Right. And now we're complaining about uh six, 7%. Um, but prices are really high. So just different, different flavors, but, um, kind of similar, uh, strategy really that, that continues to work. So you're growing up in it. Um, yeah, but maybe just take us through, like, you know, as you're going through high school, going through college, what did that look like? And when did you kind of get into the business yourself? Yeah. You know, I did, uh, I worked for the family business in, in my summers in high school and in college, Okay, but, but, you know, I saw the relationship that my father and my brother, um, had, you know, and I didn't want that relationship. So I older brother, I'm guessing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've, I've got an older brother and a younger sister. And, and so I, uh, you know, I went to Ohio State and I got a real estate degree. And, you know, I was dead set on that. Started college knowing I wanted to get a real estate degree in the business college. And then after college, I did a little bit of commercial brokerage, but said, you know what? It's not time to go back to work for the family. I'm going to go out and I'm going to work for a Canadian company doing ski resort development. So that's where the mm. Peak 10 kind of mountain thing comes in. And yeah, and I, yeah, and I did that through, I worked for, uh, uh, as a project manager for a ski resort based village development company for five years. Neat. Neat. Okay. Okay. But then eventually what then, then you did come into the family business. Yeah. And, and so I had my own, uh, the first iteration of peak 10 from about 2003 through 2008 and then a uh, great financial crisis hit. And I said, you know what, it's now, uh, there wasn't a lot of work for a, a small development guy. Mm-hmm. And I said, now's the time to, uh, to go back to the family. And so I really entered the family business, which at this time was about 1200 C-class properties on the East side of Columbus. So wow. I, uh, so I entered in about 2008. Wow. Big portfolio and C class. It was, um, I mean, you know, held up pretty well. Tell us about that. Like how, how to do through the financial crisis. Well, you know, if you go back and, and, and you think about it, the C class properties were already in a recession, so to speak, coming mm-hmm. out of 2004, because they were, you know, the, our, our government was pushing home ownership, right? Everybody had to own a home at that time. So going into the, you know, going into the great financial crisis, our occupancy rates were already low. And oh, so it was a, yeah, it was a little bit of a challenging time because you could rent an apartment cheaper or you could buy a house cheaper than you could rent an apartment. So it was a challenging time and I could see the demographic wave coming. And so that's why I said, you know what, I'm going to go and I'm going to really learn this, the property management space. I'm going to become a certified property manager, which is a designation I have and become a, a, an expert, brought a ton of technology. I could see the wave coming and that was going to hit the family. Yeah, And so, uh, so that's, that was a big, I brought a lot of technology into the property management business for my family. Neat, neat. Well, um, how receptive were they? How'd that go? Tell, tell us about, you know, <laughs> just working in, just working in the property management business and, and owning those properties. Cause you guys are owning, you own them yourselves, you're managing them yourselves. Uh, but then you're doing it with, with family, right? So yeah, just tell us a little bit about that. Well, I will say, you know, the thing that my, my brother and my mother and my father, you know, and I inherited that was a really, really strong work ethic. Okay. Mm -hmm. And my family built an incredible engine, right. And I wanted to supercharge that thing. And, and so, you know, I was bringing in tools and and management processes that I had learned along the way. 
and said, I'm going to, I'm going to supercharge this. And what I found out that, that, you know, sometimes it's real easy to get complacent in your portfolio and take your eyes off the, off the prize. Right. And so what I found is there was a lot of inefficiencies with the, I'll call it the old way of doing business. Yeah. And so, so there was people, there was a lot of evictions being filed in the family portfolio. And, you know, so I just sort of reinvented some of the systems and, and got our evictions down from, you know, 15 to 20 a month to two or three. So, you know, just sort of reimagined and got us ready. And so learned a lot, but, you know, like you said earlier, it was a different time and a different era. And now in this modern era of how we do financing and how we do deals is just different from what my mother and father did. And, and not that way, it's just a different way. And so there was a lot of friction. I'm not going to lie. There was a lot of challenges with uh, working in a, in a, we've always done it this way kind of business. And I learned pretty quick that I wasn't going to turn the family business into the bright, shiny Ferrari that, that I wanted to build. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as you're talking about that, Nate, it just makes me think like what, what you are coming in like the new owner almost. I mean, that that's what we're looking for. We're looking for people that have owned the property. And and not only is it, you know, like, like your parents would be a, would be a great example um, probably from what you're explaining that like they've done incredibly well. I mean, they've owned the property for a long time and you know, two things, one, you know, they kind of want to just keep doing things the way they have been. So maybe there's, better ways to do it and more technology that'll make you more profitable. And they don't just really don't want to do it because it's, you know, it's confusing and Hey, we've always done it this way. And then two, they're, they probably have low debt on the property. Uh, they got in at a great basis, right? So like they're cash flowing like crazy without, you know, all this innovation and raising rents and all this. So like they don't have the motivation. They don't have the need to do all that. So it's right for a new owner to come in and say, well, I do want to adopt all this new innovation and do all these new things. And I, you know, I'm going to have more debt because I'm going to pay a lot more for the property than your, than your parents did. And so I kind of need to raise rent and I'm going to push it. And so they, you know, that new owner wants to and needs to push rent, push uh, innovation, push efficiencies and get this, these properties up and running to their optimal, um, you know, uh, ability or whatever, um, optimal efficiency and, and profitability and so it's that new owner, but like you're coming in like that, but you still got the old owner there. So I can see how that, you know, normally the new owner comes in and the old owner goes and and, and retires on, on the, that big uh, windfall or whatever. And yet you're like the new owner coming in, the, the old owner is still there. Yeah. I mean, it's mm-hmm. kind of like value. It's like kind of like doing a value add on the portfolio you already own. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah. so they're definitely, you're, you're right. There's definitely a lot of uh, challenges in that. And and, you know, my dad would go out and buy a truck or he'd go out and buy a skid steer. He'd go out and buy a lift. And, you know, I, I sort of was was butting my head against uh, against the wall a few times. But one of the things that changed when I got in there was we started to do outside investment because we were making a lot of money mm-hmm. and we we always couldn't, you know, go find enough stuff to buy. So in 2013, we started into the Austin, Texas market with another family. And that was our first, you know, investment outside partnering up, which was a new way for my mom and dad, right? A new yeah. way for my brother, new way for my mother and a new way of thinking. And that started a, a 10 year relationship and we were off to the races in Texas and we can kind of get into that modern era. And, and then we got into the value add as fast as we could down there with, with our partner. And at the same time, while I was there, um, I started into the date market in 2016 and I had to go with a new cost structure and we started taking outside money. So traditionally, a lot of our deals are 60% Fisher family related, my kids, uh, longtime employees, my brother, and my sister, they're my partners now. 
And so that started off a new era. So entering the Dayton market in 2016 with a new cost structure was very important as well. Yeah. Well, Nate, the, the biggest thing that I'm thinking with you guys getting into um, uh, Austin, yeah, it, it's different for you guys. That the I would think the biggest difference or one of the biggest differences is you're probably not managing these yourself, right? So are you guys using third-party uh, property management when you got into Austin? Well, our it was actually another uh, Columbus family. Uh, the son went down there and he started his own property management company. Okay. So, so it was so, still in-house property management, just the Fisher family didn't have control of it. Correct. Correct. Okay. Correct. Okay. Because I was going to ask you about that, just your experience. Um, so you really don't even have experience with third-party property management, do you? It's always been really in-house, even though um, I guess it, 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 anything that you noticed about the Austin um, properties that you guys bought and having somebody else manage it, was that difficult for you and your family? And were there things that they did differently that you didn't like, or you guys, you know, noticed like, oh, we definitely do that differently? For sure. I think that, you know, the secret sauce of the family business was always, cur is, is, was, and is, is very quick work orders, hmm. curb appeal on the property, doing, thinking like an owner, doing what you have to do. And we would create a class A uh, apartment experience for a class C property. Now, all those things I just said cost money. Yep. And so what it took us a long time to adapt to a partner in that 95% was okay. You know, we didn't have to go 110%. We kept wanting him to go 110. Do mm. this. You got to do that. You got to spend a, well, he's like, no, we don't. We can make just as much money if if we get 95%. Now that sounds weird, but there was a lot of, well, you should, it just took us a while to, to get our footing and be comfortable with his style of management and be accepting that the money he was making, the decisions he was making were good. It, it, it was a little rocky at first, but you know, we, we, I quickly learned that, Hey, He's a great property manager. I'm going to let him do his thing. I'm not going to try to micromanage him with my company's philosophy. If we get close, we're okay. We're all yeah, right. Right, right, right. Yeah, as long as things are going pretty well. Yeah, it, it, you know, you're not down there. Uh, at some point, there's got to be a, one uh, cook in the kitchen, right? Somebody's got to be making that decision. Okay, so that, that's interesting. You, you know, you mentioned those uh, three things, and I love those. Quick work orders, I mean, I could not agree with that more. There's no better way to tick off your residents and get people moving out uh, than not answer and get bad reviews, right, on, on online than not answering work orders. Curb appeals big. Um, I mean, the people that already live there feel better about living there. And then when people come to see the property, I mean, it's, it's the first impression, right, when they when they pull up. Um, thinking like an owner, uh, and then you said right after that, that that costs money and then these kind of all cost money. So maybe just digging that a little bit, the thinking like an owner, and it sounds like as an owner, Nate, and as you guys are managing, you guys were always willing to put money into the property. Can you talk a little bit more about that? For sure. I think there's a different, you know, when we got into, into Texas, the model was a little bit different. You know, the model in the family was buy and hold forever. I mean, there's properties that Hell, I was working on them in 1986, right? They're still yeah. in the portfolio. Well, the model in Texas was fix and flip. And yeah, it took I... us two, it took us two, two, three years to figure that out, that we didn't have to have the mentality that we were going to own it for 40 years, right? So maybe you don't, maybe you hold off another year on the roof. Maybe you leave a little bit of meat on the bone for the next guy to come in and value mm, add. Yeah. Whereas when you when you're managing, you know, a family portfolio for 40 years, you're trying to stay ahead of deferred maintenance. And sometimes wow. you do a little, you do a little bit too much. Right. Yeah. And you're and you're not as concerned about cash flow or investors or distributions, you know, or maybe, you know, if you're paving a parking lot, maybe you put two and a half inches of asphalt, not three. Like so there's just different things that you think about as a long term hold versus a 
I'm going to reposition this. I'm going to, I'm going to rev the engine, get the NOI right and sell it. Just yeah. a little bit of different things. Oh, I can, yeah, I can see how there'd be so many different things. What, um, what do you prefer, Nate? I mean, you know, the, I guess to me, um, I think hold forever. I mean, makes so much sense if you can do that. You, you know, you're not paying taxes. Um, you, you, you can build up some incredible cash flow. Sounds like you guys have done that over the years. So you can really get good cash flow. Obviously, you got it in a great basis because we're just going to keep devaluing the currency. So prices are going to keep going up, rent's going to keep going up. So you're benefiting from all that. Great cash flow, building a ton of equity, not paying taxes. You can just refinance and, and get tax for money. Um, but you don't have the velocity of money that you have when when you sell. So when you sell, you can go and make that big chunk and, and put it back in. And like you're recycling your money, you can probably build wealth quicker um, as long as you keep you know, hitting the, the ball and not like not missing. All right. Cause you can do that and then not make money. I mean, not every flip, even though, you know, when you're flipping apartment, not all of them make money. So if you take a step back, that's the thing with, you know, holding you, you don't have those misses, you know, you just hold and cash flow. So I don't know, uh, you, you've kind of seen both. Nate. I know you've had a bunch of success with both. Um, do you feel like everybody should do both or, or do you definitely prefer one over the other? Well, I think just given the environment we're in today, you always have to have some cash flow assets in your portfolio. And those are the yeah. long-term ones. So I think you need that diversification. And you know what's great about where I'm at today is I have nice geographical diversification. I have Texas. I have Dayton, Ohio, Columbus, Ohio. In days like today, I love the Columbus, Ohio. You don't own the, the Dayton, Ohio. The slow, steady. You need those slow and steadies in your portfolio. So if you have too much of one, you get in trouble. Mm. So I think it's that it's that nice mix and so if all you're doing is fix and flips, you'll get caught. And so I think you've got to have some steady eddies in there. It's I nice like to that. you got to have your yeah. singles, you got to have your doubles, you got to have your triples. Yep. And as I get older, I don't need as many triples, right? right? Like my, right? Like I'm okay. I don't have to hit triples all the time. So these days I'm more into singles and doubles. Okay. And so I think having a mix in your portfolio is very important. That's what's going to get you through these times today. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, well said. Well said. Yeah. When, when things are are humming and, and interest rates are low and cap rates are low, man, it's, yeah, everybody, everybody's really well flipping, but now we've reversed that, right? Interest rates are um, gone way up. Cap rates have, have gone up a little bit too. So you're, um, you know, it's not there. So uh, yeah, really agree with that, Nate. And I mean, you've been at it, you know, so much longer than your family, even longer. So, you know, a lot better than I do all that. Um, everything you've seen, what does it take? What's a key ingredient for being a successful real estate investor? And I'll ask from the perspective of a, of a GP, of an owner operator, what's, what's maybe a key ingredient or two that you think makes a successful real estate investor? You know, I, I think that don't be afraid, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So don't be afraid to ask. There are, mm. what I love, I, what I love about today's environment is you can pick up the phone, call, and I can have lunch with Lee and I can yeah. ask him, Hey Lee, what do you think about this? And I get so much help from other people. So do not be afraid to ask other people for some help. Yeah, I love how, how are you looking at this? What am I not seeing? If you get stuck in your lane and don't, you know, I love feedback from other people because all the time I get another opinion. And if you don't get another opinion, then you're going to keep doing the same thing over and over again. So I just think being a, don't be afraid to talk to other people and ask for help. Get another, yeah. get another view. Right. It's so, I, I mean, whether it's a mortgage broker or it's a, you know, or another, a counterpart, you know, we're, it's not foghorn leghorn. We're not trying to fight each other every day and be competitors in that sense. Yeah. I, right. I love it. It's so collaborative. And I think that's what makes a good real estate investor is collaborate, ask other people, get other opinions. 
Man, I agree. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's certainly been helpful for me. That's why yeah, I jump at the opportunity to come up and have lunch with you, uh, Nate. Um, <laughs> hey, so uh, then I always like to flip this question a little bit. And, and I ask, um, what's a key ingredient to being successful outside of real estate while you know pursuing success in real estate? So how do you keep your priorities straight? How do you make sure you're, you know, pursuing your wife and your kids and, and maintaining those things that, are, you know, frankly, are more important than the success we have in real estate? I mean, we do the real estate probably for those things, right? So how are you making sure, you know, what are, what are some things you do to make sure that you're um, maintaining your priorities? Well, let me go back and say some of the things that I wasn't doing right and okay. where I met, where I messed yeah, up. Yeah, I appreciate Is, that. You know, the stress of a family business and grinding on the way up you know, was, was tough for me. Um, I ground so hard. I wasn't being a good father. I wasn't being a good dad. And I ended up, you know, just working too much. And I ended up with a drinking problem. Mm, And, you know, I was using, I was using the alcohol to mask some of the trauma of the relationships with my family and being underpaid. And and I'll go back. Um, I wasn't valuing myself correctly. I wasn't giving myself credit and, you know, working in the family business, I was dramatically underpaid and, for a long time. And, and that, that stressed me out. And so I ended up getting fired in 2018 from the family and we can go down that, but I also ended up, I ended up with an alcohol problem. Okay. And so I want to share that with, with your listeners. Don't grind so hard that your kid comes to you and says, dad, can you give up vodka for Lent? And I'm like, I'm just working, man. I'm just working. And you know, don't be that guy. So I, I, I was that guy. I wasn't doing those things. So I've shifted my mindset big time since 28, 2019 is when I, when I got clean and sober and I got my side of the street, correct. And I started focusing more and more on my family, you know, and that's allowed me to my life to really hockey stick by spending more time with my family. And, and, and so, you know, just don't grind so hard. You say you're doing it for, oh, I'm doing it for this. Well, what, what are you really doing it for? Because yeah. if you, if you, if you grind too hard, you're not going to have anything. Unfortunately, I didn't, I didn't hit, you know, complete rock bottom and I didn't lose my family, but I was getting close. I'll be honest. Yeah. And, you know, it took my mother, it took my father, it took my wife, it took my kids to say, you got to get your shit together. Yeah. So, Man, so, I appreciate so I sharing with that, Nate, and being vulnerable because, um, you know, God's been good to me and, and I've, I've been able to, you know, fend off some things, but I mean, it, it is a challenge, um, to not grind too much. I'll, I'll say that, um, you know, like you, you said it really well that you were grinding so hard on the way up when you're trying to build something, it does take a lot. Um, it's, it's not, uh, Hey, my boss, you know, requires 40 hours, but I probably put in 50 or, I mean, there's times it's like, this stuff, ha- you know, feels like it has to get done. And if I don't do it, nobody will do it. And so I'm here and I'm here still. And I'm, you know, 10 hours a day, 12 hours a day. I mean, I, you know, I'm trying to learn from guys like you. And that's why, again, it, it's so beneficial. I so appreciate you coming on uh, so that, you know, guys like me can learn from guys like you and and, and not make some of those same mistakes. Um, but maybe just, yeah, I would love if you don't mind talking a little bit more about that, that just, um, how hard you were grinding and what that felt like, what, what caused you to do that? Um, and, and then, you know, just what a difference it is when you, you know, you were kind of forced out, you know, by being fired, but you, it, it's obvious you took a step back and said, I don't need to work that hard. And like, like you said, like now you've hockey stick. So you're like working less, but working smarter. Like just what were you doing then that, that was causing you just to grind so hard and have your head down so much that you couldn't maybe take a breath and see that what you were doing wasn't the right strategy. And then how's that, how did you make that change? You know, I, uh, it's, it, it's tough. The, 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 the sort of the, you know, I always think about my family. Okay. And, 
And and how can I, that's my sort of superpower, I guess, if you will, is keeping the family together. And, and if I wasn't healthy, then the family wasn't going to be healthy. And when okay. I say family, yeah. I say a, across, you know, I have an 83-year-old father and an 80-year-old mother and my brother. And and I and and you know, I, I put a lot of weight on my shoulders to to make sure that that I'm guiding the family the best I can and I'm I'm shepherding the investments and I'm creating multi-generational wealth for them. And I think that that weight was just was a little too heavy on mm. me for a while. Yeah. And 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 um you know, I I don't know. I just it it, it was a challenge and the the speed of the deals and and the relationship with my father it it, it was just challenging. Um and so I carried that burden on me and okay. and I realized that yeah. that you know, I've got to make this fun again and you know what's what's great is uh my kids and my brother's kids and and some long-term employees are are in some of these entities that we that I that I am a part of and so you know what's really made it fun is sort of stepping back and looking at that big picture we have one entity which is so awesome it's been around since 2000 it owns properties it invests in other people's deals and I get to have these meetings with my kids in there now that they're getting a little bit older and I can share what I do and one of the things that I've figured out is, you know what, I've got to be responsible here. I've got to think about the family in the big picture and passing this along and being responsible. And how do I want to educate my kids? And Lee, I told you the story, you know, it, it's fine if you do it. I mean, I'm sure every real estate guy out there does this. Hey, you're coming home from a soccer game. You're like, hold on a second, kids. I got to drive through this apartment complex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, we tried to make it fun. And I think once yeah. I realized that, that this could be fun and we have this thing in our in our family and, and uh we call it the doorknob. And so when I buy a new property, I'm like, hey, kids, uh, you got a, you, we got a new doorknob. You got a new doorknob to on a deal. And they're like, like, dad, dad, where's the doorknob at? That's and so awesome. just, you know, make it, making it fun. And, and these entities that we've had for a long time and the kids are in. And, and so it's sharing some of this uh, and starting as I get a little bit older, starting to think about my legacy. What do I want to leave behind? Like, oh, yeah. you don't want to, I don't want to leave behind a, a dead, you know, I don't want to be the guy who's dying because I drank too much and that's no fun. So just trying to make it fun again. And, and, talking about, and one, one time the kids got me this doorknob for Christmas. It's on the, it's on the uh, mantle. It's awesome. So talking about the doorknob and what does that mean? And what's it mean for, for them to be responsible, limited partners? How do they treat their cousins that are going to be their partners? So mm-hmm. as I'm getting a little bit older, I'm, I'm loving talking about that part of this business, right? Like the legacy and how to be a good partner and everyone get along. That's starting to be the fun part for me now. Oh, good, man. I love seeing that that you're in such a, a healthier space. And it just seemed like, you know, probably you were just really in the weeds and then just taking on way too much burden, you know, putting putting too much on yourself. Um, I'm glad you've been able to to step away and say, you know, I, I can't control everything. I can't be responsible for everything, but I can, you know, step back and and work, you know, at a higher level and, and bring everybody together. And uh, man, those entities, I mean, what a cool thing, Nate, for you guys to have as a family, for you and your kids to have these entities that own properties that can invest passively. And then, yeah, to have these family meetings and talk about, hey, here's what we're invested in. What do we want to invest in next? And, oh, man, look at this return. And this property just sold. So we got, oh, that, I mean, I think that's the dream right there. I, I think that's what a lot of us are going for is to get to that point where, yeah, we've got our kids in it and we're, we're building this. Uh, I mean, you guys are building a family office there, Nate. It's, uh, that's awesome, man. Congratulations on that. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, it, it's weird. It sort of morphs over these years. And as mom yeah. and dad get a little bit older and, and, you know, what I tell my, my, I have a 17 year old kid who's getting ready to go to college. And, you know, we talking about, well, everyone's like, what are you going to major in? And I said, bud, you can major in whatever you want, right? Follow your passion. At the same time, if you can learn to be a good partner with your cousins and learn how to be a limited partner, 
and get get it just get a little bit good at this investment side, the passive side. You don't have to be active. You don't have to follow in dad's footsteps yeah. or grandpa's footsteps. You can follow your passion and have this. You can have both, right? You can do yep. what you want. And this passive investment side can help fund that. And I love that. That's rewarding to me. Oh, it's awesome. I mean, I just think what what a what a um uh, you know, a, a cheat code or, or a, um, they get a, a head start is what I'm trying to think of. Uh, what a head start for your kids, because I'm just thinking of the cash flow quadrant that Robert Kiyosaki talks about. And, you know, you got the um, employee and self-employment or self-employed side where like, you know, you're working for somebody or you're, you're have your own business, but, but you're still trading time for money. It's just your own business. And then on the other side, you've got business owner and investor and your kids are getting to jump in as an investor right away early on. Um, and be on that side. And I mean, that's the side you want to be on. Uh, so what a, what an awesome thing that your parents and then you have set up the family to have the kids be able to jump right in on that good side of the quadrant and be an investor. Um, yeah, but you got to do it well. Right. And and the idea is for them to continue to grow the wealth uh, that, that you guys have worked so hard to build. Um, man, just what a cool thing that you've set your family up with. Uh, yeah. I, I, I want to jump in. I see Rich yeah. Dad, Poor Dad behind you. And yeah. my my 12-year-old, we were sitting at the and and now, okay, I bribe him to read that book. Okay. I love he was, it. He, and so I'm I'm paying him like an allowance to read that book. And then he breaks it down chapter by chapter. We talk about it. This is a 12-year-old. The other night, my 14-year-old were sitting there at the table and she's like, I, you know, I'm gonna go get a job. And my 12-year-old pipes up and he's like, Well, why don't you just read the book? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. he's got Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And and he's That's like, awesome. well, I'm, listen, I'm listening to it on YouTube, and I got the book. He's like, I was mowing the lawn and listening to the book. See, I was double dipping. He's telling my 14 year old this. It was like, wow, he is he is jamming, man. If a yep. 12 year old is going, I'm listening and I'm working. I'm like yep. double dipping here. I, I get it. That's <laughs> that how you work, crazy. man. Work smarter, not crazy. harder. Exactly. I love that. Exactly. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, this has been great, man. I appreciate you being so um, vulnerable, open, honest about uh, some of the struggles that you've had because that stuff's real. I mean, when you're trying to build something, when you're grinding hard, uh, it's difficult. And and there's uh, things out there that we can fall into. Um, but man, just love seeing what you've been able to do and come out the other side. So it, it's great for all of us to be able to learn from you. So I appreciate that. Um, before I let you go Thank too, you. I always like to ask my guest, Nate, how might my listeners and I be praying for you in the coming weeks? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm turning 54 next month and I would like um, some clarity on the balance between spending time with kids and work and yeah. figuring out, figuring out what I want to do when I grow up. Yeah. I'm, I'm, tr I'm trying to find that out. Like, should I put it in sixth gear again? Should I put it in third gear? I'm trying to find my happy place. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. That's what on it the is. back nine. And yeah. How, how hard are you going to play the back nine? <laughs> gonna, yeah. 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 That's good, man. No, be, I mean, that's, that's uh, I love that you're, I love what you think about. I mean, this, you know, again, kind of contrast to where you were, you know, a handful of years ago when you were grinding so hard and it seems like, I mean, I'm just picturing you with your head down. Like you kind of, you can't see cause you're just working so hard and now like you're really being thoughtful about it. And, what do I want? I mean, maybe I, maybe I do need to um, hustle, but maybe I need to pull back and yeah. Uh, would love to pray yeah. for that with you. I'm, I'm always, I'm always kind of praying that for myself. So Thank well, good, you. Nate, uh, man, thanks again. This has been great. I appreciate you coming on, uh, sharing with the audience. It's been a really good episode. I uh, appreciate your time, man. All right. Thanks Lee. Yeah. Enjoy take it, care. Man. Thank you everybody. Thank you for joining us for another great episode. I hope you'll take action on what you've learned today. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider leaving Lee a five-star rating and review. And check him out on threefoldrei.com.
Until next time, 1 Timothy 6.17.